Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Tuesday, player day off, we're going to hear from a boatload of Dolphins coaches, including all three coordinators and the defensive assistants on this particular episode of Drive Time. We're going to get into Travis's Tuesday top 10, my top 10 plays, with a breakdown on each of those from the young season so far through three games. And we'll start getting into some little Seattle Seahawks details, a few nuggets and notes about that football team. All of that and more on this Tuesday, September the 29th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. And support for Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation. If you want to sell your car or truck, AutoNation will buy it. Any year, any make, any model, they'll buy your car and you'll get a check on the spot in as fast as 30 minutes. Appraise your car now at AutoNation.com. And so far through three games, the appraisal of Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson has been a darn good one. This guy has been playing out of his mind, unconscious all season long. He is the top passer on pro football focus in attacking deep, vertically down the field, passer rating, QBR, whatever you want to measure him up against, he's pretty much atop the statistic leaderboard. And what I find most interesting about the fact that this guy has 14 touchdown passes, And with four touchdown passes in each of the first three games, he's the first player to ever do that in the National Football League on track to break Patrick Mahomes' touchdown pass record. And he has zero turnovers in those three games as well. So or 14 rather touchdown passes and zero turnovers for the Seattle quarterback. He's also only thrown 24 incomplete passes on the entire season. So only a few more incompletions than he has touchdown passes, completing 76.7% of his passes. And the Seahawks are 3-0 because of that offensive production between he, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Because you look at their defense right now, They have surrendered a league-high 1,492 yards against and a league-high 6.6 yards per play against them. To kind of put that into context, last time this year, after three weeks, the Dolphins' defense had allowed 1,498 yards on the season, so just six fewer yards allowed for the Seahawks' defense this year compared to Miami last year in 2019 on the defensive side of the football. So interesting matchup coming here to South Florida. We know about all the intricate details of this matchup a west coast team coming east and if you look at the seahawks pass they start games slower but even with you have russell wilson in the game in the lineup he's going to come out and give you at least one quarter if not two three or four and get that team back in the game so it's going to be crucial if that is the case in this game for the dolphins to not let the seahawks kind of get their momentum and get carried back into the game if they do in fact start off slow as teams in the west coast region coming over to the east coast one o'clock kickoff do so many times before. The Seahawks defense also played 80 snaps on Sunday against Dak Prescott and that Cowboys offense, so their conditioning going to be put to the test coming into a game with the Miami Dolphins, who had the extra three days off with the benefit of the Thursday night game in Jacksonville. Seahawks also going to be in those dark blue jerseys on the far side of the field, or where their bench is going to be on the portion of Hard Rock Stadium that is exposed to the sunshine in those dark blue uniforms with Miami in the home whites. So, very interesting matchup here between the Dolphins and the Seahawks. We'll get 
get more into that on tomorrow and Thursday's podcast, taking a look at this game, at this preview, a big test, a big challenge for this Dolphins team, hoping to get back to 500 at 2-2 two and two against one of the NFL's best quarterbacks, best players in Russell Wilson and a good team in the Seattle Seahawks. Before we go ahead and get into the coaches' media availability today, I want to get into Travis's top 10, something I want to do on the podcast here on Tuesdays. And since we're doing it first here, let's go ahead and make it the top 10 plays of the season so far for your Miami Dolphins. And we start here with number 10. And we're going to make it Jerome Baker's strip and force fumble out of the back of the end zone in week one at New England. I love the hustle he showed on this particular play because he's lined up over the Patriots right tackle, but there is a tight end in the formation and a receiver in tight to the formation as well. So Jerome Baker has lots of trash to work through as Cam Newton does a play action rollout. The running back releases to the same side. Uh, Baker is outflanked at that point and has to catch up from behind. He gets back in there, finds the pass catcher, the ball carrier, punches that thing out, gets a big takeaway, a big momentum shift in that game at the time. That's play number 10 so far on this season. Jerome Baker's hustle to get a forced fumble in week number one. Play number nine. Let's go ahead and make it another linebacker forced fumble and go to week two against the Buffalo Bills and Kyle Van Noy sprinting down the field. You watch this play develop. He's kind of hanging out in that hook zone, keeping an eye on the quarterback, Josh Allen, because of how dangerous he is with his legs. Van Noy sees the pass go up over his head and he turns and runs immediately, gets all the way downfield on that tight end on uh, Dawson Knox and punches that thing out from behind and stops a drive there from the Bills before it can get started. Very good job of hustling, getting after the play, and not giving up on a play once it gets behind you. Both Dolphins linebackers, Jerome Baker and Kyle Van Noy, get into the top 10 with those hustle efforts so far. And let's go ahead and stay there with Kyle Van Noy on play number eight and his strip sack of Gardner Minshew in Thursday night's victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. As you see Van Noy line up over the Jaguars left guard and he's going to work upfield, come back inside and kind of set a pick for Zach Sealer and that knocks off the Jaguars right guard as he works across the formation and it also opens up a hole for Van Noy who closes down the quarterback and because of pressure off the edge from Emmanuel Ogba, Van Noy can get to Minshew who steps up into the pocket right into his face and he gets him for the old trifecta, the old triple play there for Kyle Van Noy, the sack, the strip and the scoop. Didn't quite get the score because he had to dive on the football to get the recovery, but the Dolphins would score a few plays later on the next offensive possession. Play number six so far here in Travis's top 10 is going to be the pass to Mike Gesicki at the end of the first half in the Buffalo game to set up a long Jason Sanders field goal. The Dolphins only had a few seconds left on the clock and only, or didn't have any timeouts rather, and they threw a pass to Mike Gesicki after a nice Miles Gaskin run where Gesicki gets into the second level of the defense. Fitzpatrick has to step up and out around pressure, and he climbs up the pocket and throws the ball before Gesicki covers from, or uncovers rather, from the linebacker in that second level. Gesicki makes the catch, gets upfield, 27 yards. Dolphins come to the line, spike the ball, and get three points at the end of the half because of some really nifty work from both the quarterback and tight end Ryan Fitzpatrick and Mike Gesicki. We're going to hear more from them here in just one second. Play number five on this season for the Miami Dolphins. How about like good old times, an old-fashioned Xavier Howard interception on Thursday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dolphins are in a two-deep safety look. Brandon Jones is going to roll back into the single high position, and Bobby McCain is looking at the crossers coming from the other side of the formation as he kind of sits in that little area and allows Xavier Howard to go one-on-one here up against Chris Conley. He's in press coverage on the outside. He gets the inside hand jam, forces Conley into the perimeter up against the sideline, using that sideline as an extra defender, and he just runs the route for him. When the ball comes 
comes out of Gardner Minshew's hands, Chris Conley is on the hash marks on the sideline. That's not where you want to be as a receiver because you give your quarterback a very limited window to throw that football in there. So Howard gets him out to that area, turns around, locates the football. And by the time the ball gets there, he looks like he is the receiver on the play. That play was vintage Xavier Howard and our number five play so far on the year for your Miami Dolphins. Play number four, how about some touchdowns? We haven't covered any of those so far. Let's go back to Buffalo. The touchdown against the Buffalo Bills to Mike Gesicki from Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's an eight-yard touchdown pass from Fitzpatrick to Gesicki, and the Bills are kind of walling off the end zone. You're going to have four defensive backs all up on the goal line on this particular play, trying to keep Miami out of the end zone, and Gesicki runs in between two of those defenders after fighting through some trash, by the way, and we talked about this earlier in the week about his ability to kind of fight through the contact and get himself into a position to make plays and not get rerouted at the line of scrimmage. Here he is working through some trash, gets into a position where he can pivot inside and show his numbers to the quarterback, and Fitzpatrick's kind of reading the full field so the ball doesn't come right at the time that he pivots to the quarterback but because it's a little bit late he has to jam that thing in there and he throws an absolutely perfect pass off the numbers of Gasicki away from the defense it gives Gasicki a chance to box out on the defensive back reach out make the catch away from his frame as he has want to do so far in his young career big time touchdown there from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Mike Gasicki play number three the touchdown on Thursday night at Jacksonville to Preston Williams is going to be our number three play of the season Preston Williams Williams talked about the inside release he got on that defensive back, the outside leverage of the defensive back. And if he's going to give you that space inside, go ahead and just take it. And Preston did just that. He took the inside cheese, got open, and Fitzpatrick had to throw an absolute seed like he did all night long in that game. And he does just that, puts the ball right on target again, using the tall frames of these bodies, the tall bodies, the long frames to box these guys out, create opportunities for your receivers, for your quarterback to throw that ball in there and get the ball away from their frame so they can reach out box out with their body and use their hands to catch the football. Preston Williams does just that. The ball is right on target from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Touchdown Dolphins and number two on the year is going to be another touchdown for your Miami Dolphins. And it's going to be a one-yard touchdown rush from Jordan Howard. And you might say, Travis, that's not the most exciting play in the entire league. You should expect to score from one yard out. Yeah, maybe that's the case. But I love the way they got these guys moved defenders off the football. You had so many well-executed blocks on this play. Really beautiful execution from the Dolphins' offensive line, tight end, and fullback. Adam Shaheen closes down the edge. Solomon Kinley pulls out and seals off the edge on the other side. And then you have Chandler Cox leading that thing up there. He wipes out a Jacksonville linebacker. And Jordan Howard just follows those guys and plows it in. Jesse Davis also got himself involved and moved some guys off the football there. So just good overall team execution. Got to give it up to those guys for the number two play of the year. And play number one is the touchdown pass from Fitzpatrick to Mike Gesicki in the same game. You might have seen Mark Scott field who writes for USA Today or the USA Today Wire for the NFL. He broke this play down about how the Dolphins saw a previous play going up against Jacksonville, up against rookie CJ Henderson, where they had a cover three look, the defense falling back into deep thirds on the defense, and the Dolphins went after that approach by running off CJ Henderson, showing him a deep route to the post route to Devontae Parker going into the post. He takes one step the wrong direction. You sneak Mike Gesicki right in behind him on the out route. The ball is perfectly on target, on time, and Gesicki makes a lunging catch because Fitzpatrick knows he has all that space to work with with that large catch radius. So number one on the year so far for my money is the throw from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Mike Kosicki. And let's go ahead and jump now into our media availability from Tuesday. We had plenty of action here from Chan Gailey, Danny Crossman, Josh Boyer, Marion Hobby, Anthony Campanelli, Austin Clark, and we also had Gerald Alexander on this particular podcast. 
And Tuesday Coaches Media Availability is brought to you by AutoNation, where Dolphins fans can sell their vehicle for cash now. Visit AutoNation.com and save on 100,000 vehicles right now at AutoNation.com. Let's go ahead and first hear from Chan Gailey and go right back to Mike Gesicki, who made the number one play of the year so far for your Miami Dolphins on my personal top 10 list. That's my list. Nobody else's. You can't take that from me. Let's go ahead and hear from Chan Gailey right here on how they create opportunities for this Dolphins uber-athletic tight end in Mike Gesicki. You want to create situations where he has creases in zones when the zone defense, and then you want to get him in a position where he can win one-on-one because most of the time he's going to line up against a strong safety or a linebacker. So you're trying to create as many positions um, or places for him to line up and to execute uh, the things he does best. Uh, And that is a challenge week to week because defenses are different, different. So, now we have to we have to go out and, and see how the defense is playing and then get it situated. And in some weeks it works out and some weeks it doesn't. Gotta love Chan there kind of corroborating my talk about Mike Asicki there on that particular touchdown against the Buffalo Bills in that zone look where he just finds those creases, finds those soft spots, sits himself down and has that big frame to throw to but also those situations up against man coverage where he can use the athletic ability and speed to get vertical on guys and win matchups that way. How about what Chan learned from Thursday night from this offense and what they're capable of doing? He says confidence is the number one takeaway from that victory. Um, I I learned that I learned this, but and I thought this all along, but I think the players got a better sense of confidence of what we're capable of. That that's what I wanted I want them to come out of that game with is this is what we're capable of, guys. Now, now if we go execute and we do the little things, um, we we're capable of putting points on the board and, and going down there three straight times. Uh, there's no rule against that. You know, you, you can do that. Uh, so let, let's keep that confidence level and, and prepare for this week and get ready to go to the next. Plenty of good stuff from Chan in that press availability. He talked a little bit about Malcolm Perry and Lynn Bowden, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley, and Austin Jackson. He talked about how they're trying to get Robert Hunt up to speed a little bit more into the game with those extra packages, the heavy offensive line. He has six snaps on the offensive line so far down around the goal line. He spoke very highly of Solomon Kinley and Austin Jackson. He talked about Tua Tungabailoa having one of the greatest minds in all of football to kind of bounce ideas off of, to talk about defense, talk about protection calls, all the stuff in the NFL you don't really get in college with that complete inundation into the NFL game. Talked about a little bit of quarterback and relationship there between Fitzpatrick and Tua. We also talked to Dolphins special teams coordinator Danny Crossman. Let's go ahead and hear from Crossman here about a couple of guys that he thinks have stood out so far on his coverage units. I think Sam has done a nice job. Um, I think we've got to be more consistent as a whole. I think Andrew Van Ginkle is, has shown up. Uh, but I think just overall, when you look at the whole, the whole unit, you know, we just got to be more consistent in everything we do, and that's going to come with time. And I think you talk to any coach, and no matter what phase it is, uh, you know, getting that consistency and that, uh, you know, that common where we're um, not as much uh, sort of playing the play, we're playing the scheme, and then we're going to be in better shape. 
I made that mistake again where I was typing right into the microphone, so my apologies for that. I did learn a few coaches into this not to do that again, so we'll get some better audio quality here in just one second. But Danny Crossman also had a question about DVO football outsiders, DVOA football outsiders has the Seahawks and Dolphins as the number one and number two special teams ranked in the NFL. Here's Coach Crossman on what makes a special teams unit good, and in particular, Seattle's. Well, I, I think they do a they do a really nice job. You know, when you look at you know when, when you look at their special teams, I think it's a it's a it's a small fracture of fraction of, of what they are as a team and how they play the game. And they play fast, they play physical, they're aggressive, uh, and they got a good nucleus of players. Um, I think anytime you talk about you know playing well in the kicking game, it always starts with your specialists. You know, when I think obviously you know the punters having an outstanding year and it has the ability to flip the field. Uh, when they've been stalled, backed up, and, and put them in good field position going forward. And then, you know, they only had to kick one field goal because of how they're playing on offensively. But then, you know, Jason's done a nice job with his kickoffs. You got two quality return players. And then the biggest thing, they got a nice nucleus of veteran and young core players, which uh, when you put that all together, it gives you an opportunity for success. But they're, they're well coached, they're aggressive. It's going to be a heck of a challenge. Let's go ahead and finish this up for the coordinators with Dolphins defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who I thought just called one hell of a game on Thursday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Good mix of zone, man, different fronts, different rushes like Brian Flores talked about. Here's Josh talking about the challenges he has this week with a little bit of extra time to prepare for Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I would I would say he presents an immense challenge, uh, you know, and he seems to be getting better each year. Uh, which which is hard to do because he's played at a high level for for a long time, and uh, you know he, he's very good at reading defenses. He's very good at uh, making all the throws. Uh, he's very good at extending plays and making things happen that way, uh, whether he runs or throws. Um, it, it, it's a huge challenge, and he's got a good cast around him. Uh, he's got a solid O line. He's got a good group of skill players, the receivers. Uh, the tight ends, uh, his backs. And then, you know, I, I think, um, you know, Coach Schottenheimer does a good job uh, of mixing his play calls. And, you know, he can definitely uh, dial up uh, some calls against, you know, certain fronts, certain coverages that, uh, you know, I think he, I think it's all, all rolling for him, which uh, obviously, you know, they've produced a lot of points uh, in these first three weeks of the season. You'll hear coaches talk about Russell Wilson's ability both to escape pressure with his feet and then create plays with his arms down the field. That's the biggest challenge this guy presents is that you never know if he's going to do it with his arm or with his legs. He is certainly more than capable of doing either of those things. I just We're going to have you know a profession of Russell Wilson love on this podcast because he's so damn talented and so damn special. And I'm excited to watch how this defense defends him and how they call this game against one of the best players in the National Football League, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, frankly, for my money. Up next here from Josh, we're going to hear about a question that was asked about the way he went into the season to prepare for these three quarterbacks he faced off the top, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, with Gardner Minshew, go Cougs, sprinkled in there. A tough challenge for him through the first four games of the year and the first week of October, obviously. But I thought he had an interesting quote here about how September is for improvement because, you know, last year's team got better as the year went along, finished out five and four over the final nine, finished out three and two over the final five, almost four and one, if not for a dicey last minute there in the game against the Jets. 
but the Dolphins improved as the season went along. And with Brian Flores and Josh Boyer, we know about their roots, their Patriots past. That's what those teams did for so long. They would come out of the gate two and two, two and one, one and two sometimes. And by the end of the year, you looked up and they were 13 and three AFC East champions going to the AFC divisional round with a home game, win that game into the AFC championship game eight years in a row. Improvement throughout the course of the season is the focus. And that's what Josh Boyer talks about here with what he wants to do as the season goes along. What is September all about in Josh Boyer's mind? Improvement. Well, I, w- I would say for for me individually, I mean, it, it starts, you know, with the same thing that we ask our players to do. I, I just try to take, uh, you know, the, the day that's at hand and try to get the most work and um, improvement that I can in that day. Um, obviously, you know, we look, we look at the schedule, obviously, you know, we go through, uh, teams in the, you know, off season, uh, of what you think it could be, what it might be. Uh, and again, like I said, you know, really September is for improvement. And I mean, I, I start with myself, you know, I need to continue to get better. Um, our coaching staff, those guys are working hard to continue to get better. Our players, those guys are working hard, um, different opponents, you know, they bring up different challenges. I think it's, it's hard in this league to win, um, on a week to week basis, you know? So, um, all those things, you know, you take into consideration, but I think it all starts with, you know, your work, your effort and your ability to improve over time because things don't stay the same. I mean, they either get better or they get worse. So, you know, and I, I think all of our effort, energy, and time is, you know, at the day at hand. And like this week, it, it happens to be Seattle. So that's where our, our time and energy is spent, um, you know, and then next week it'll be somebody else. Hey, Coach, want to go back to a couple of questions ago, uh, referring to Jerome Baker. He's played 177 snaps this year, roughly 97% of the reps. He's one of two guys that has over 90% of the snaps on the defense. I'm curious, what is the common thread between those types of players that can play that much, and what does Jerome do, in your opinion, to warrant that many reps? Well, I would, I would say the, the first thing is, is he's in good physical condition. Um, so he's, he's able to take as, as many reps as we can give him. Um, you know, and he's, he's been productive for us. Uh, he works hard. Uh, you know, he's been all over the field. We've asked him, and, you know, he's got the mental capacity that he can handle multiple roles. Um, so, you know, that with the physical condition, uh, we think we're putting him in positions to succeed. Um, and he's shown the ability to make plays. So that kind of that's all the culmination of, of him being out there as much as he is. Jerome Baker playing 97.25% of the Dolphin snaps for the numbers on that 177 out of 182. So he's missed, was it five snaps on the entire season? Really impressive work there from Jerome Baker to just be so versatile. And we're going to have that theme throughout the course of this podcast as well as a story up on MiamiDolphins.com, taking a look at what Jerome Baker brings to this football team. Next, let's go ahead and get to Dolphins defensive line coach Marion Hobby, who first was asked about the performance of Zach Sealer the other night, also had a little bit of Raekwon Davis sprinkled into this question. So here is Coach Hobby talking about both Raekwon Davis and Zach Sealer on that Dolphins defensive line. Yeah, I, I think he's getting better each game. You know, he's getting better every day in practice. Um, he is a big, pretty fes- uh, specimen, that's for sure. And um, I think he's getting better. He's very conscientious about his game. So I think eventually he's going to be a really good football player, but... You know, let's, let's not make him Reggie White just yet. 
Gotta love the Reggie White comment there. I talked a lot of positive stuff about Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw throughout the course of the offseason up front. Here is Coach talking about the improvements and the pride that Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson showed from weeks one up through weeks three. Well, we talked about the very first game, and I think they, you know, we ask them to grade themselves a lot of times before we ever grade them. You know, so you can be your what? Your worst your worst critic sometimes comes from inside out. I don't think they were happy with the way they played the first game of the year. And I think they um, took it, took some pride in it and uh, decided they're going to play better. And um, it, it sure helped us out. Hey, Coach, wanted to ask you about, uh, I know Jerome Baker's a linebacker, but he spends plenty of time up on the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher. Just wanted to ask how involved you are in working on his pass rush game and what you've seen from him in that area. Well, I think everybody knows that Baker's been a playmaker around here for a long time. And, uh, and then when the offensive linemen see Baker on the line of scrimmage, they all know he can really run. So it's a lot of times he's, you know, he's stretching the offensive lineman out and um, getting better every day with his pass rush. Um, sometimes he's calling the, the the plays for us. So he is like a coach on the field for us in those situations. But uh, his speed is, is evidence in those situations as a pass rusher and a penetrator. Yeah, that speed certainly sticks out when you look at the way Jerome Baker plays the game as a pass rusher in pass coverage and defending the run. And, you know, asking a defensive line coach about a linebacker, usually you might say, well, that's a question for Anthony Campanelli or Austin Clark. But you could hear Marion Hobby there very welcome to answer that question about what Jerome Baker offers. We had Channing Crowder on drive time back in March, and he talked about the defense kind of taking advantage of Baker's defense or Baker's speed rather with his ability to kind of come down and run freely, keep him unblocked and use that speed to really spearhead your defense. It's a big reason why this guy plays 97% of the snaps. He can just do a lot of things for you on that Dolphins defense. Next, we're going to go to his coach in the position room at linebacker with coach Anthony Campanelli. And we'll get to his quote about Jerome Baker here in just one second. But first, let's talk about his teammate, Kamu Grugier-Hill, and what Coach has seen from the Dolphins' new linebacker coming over from the Eagles in free agency this offseason. Um, I think he's just done a very good job in a couple different facets. Um, I think he's done a really good job open field tackling. I think that was uh, evident the other night. I thought he did a good job uh, in, in that element of the defense for us. Um, he's got pass rush ability. And like I said earlier, you know, last time we had talked in the summer, um, he's just got a, a pretty diverse skill set. To be honest with you, love coaching him and uh, he can do a lot of things for us. So I've uh, been, been really happy with him. Hey, Coach, we just had Marion Hobby on talking about Jerome Baker's work calling out plays and helping communicate the defense. Now that you've been in the meeting room with him for, you know, a few months and, and three regular season games now and being around him every day, what can you say about the way he approaches the film study and the way he communicates what he sees on tape to the rest of the guys in that room? Yeah, Bake um, is a very cerebral guy, um, very high football IQ. I think sees things pretty well. Uh, I think he's done a very good job communicating through the summer uh, and through the beginning of the season. So uh, in the, in that room, honestly, it's, it's a great room to be in because there's a lot of dialogue. Um, and the players are always asking good questions, giving good insight. Um, and that is, uh, that's fun to watch. The guys communicate with each other, you know, whether that's Kyle and Landon, Bake, Kamu, uh, you know, Calvin Munson, Sam McQuavin, everybody, um, you know, kind of contributes to that conversation and uh, Bake's just another one of those guys who I think does a very good job of that. Um, you know, I think Atlanta Roberts does a great job of that too. 
It's become a theme here with Coach Campanelli to ask him about his food taste or his food habits or cooking or whatever it might be. Here he is talking about cold cuts, and you can almost hear the evolution of his jersey coming out him as he gives this answer about his favorite cold cut he's ever had. That's a, that's a tough question because uh, my buddy used to own a great place in Jersey, and then uh, cold cut sandwiches is a little tough because like you could go to Fiori's in Hoboken and get the roast beef mozzarella with the hot peppers on uh, <laughs> on a Thursday, and it'll probably just change your life. You know, you're gonna have some different uh, feelings about the world after you have that sandwich. So, um, you, you know, th- that'll that'll really make an impact on you for the rest of your life. Uh, that's a great one. Then there's another great place uh, up in Arthur Avenue, one of my favorite places. That's uh, up my dad's old neighborhood. So you got to go a little prosciutto, mozzarella, and uh, and then the roasted red peppers with some balsamic on the top. That's phenomenal. That's uh, that's a great. That's the Calabria Pork Store. That's a great place up there. That sounds amazing, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, bro, it is amazing. You just you just ruined my day, honestly. Because I wish I could go get one of those right now. But but uh, but you know whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll bear it. I'll bear it. I'll bear it. He kept going on about those cold cuts, man. It was hilarious. Love talking to Coach Campanelli. He keeps it real 100% of the time. Let's go ahead and hear from the other linebackers coach, the outside linebackers coach here in Austin Clark, who first was asked about Kyle Van Noy and what he brings to this defense. Yeah, Kyle, you know, his versatility uh, is, is something that makes him really special, and I think he played hard as hell. And I think he elevated everybody's game around him this week and, uh, you know, saw his help his production, and he, he's been doing a great job. Van Noy had himself a sack on Thursday, and so did Andrew Van Ginkle. Here's Coach on Van Ginkle. I think uh, Van Gink put an emphasis this offseason on getting stronger, and I think the way he, he uh, uses speed, uses some of his finesse moves, uses his counters, and then he mixed in a power move there late, and it paid dividends for him. Uh, he's been working his ass off. And uh, I I think last week it showed up for him in the game, and that was good to see. And before we get schooled here from Coach Alexander to finish up this edition of the Drive Time Podcast, I want to remind you guys that AutoNation, America's largest and most recognized automotive retailer, can help save on 100,000 vehicles right now at AutoNation.com. Ready to learn some football? Get your notepad, your pen out, and let's go ahead and hear from Coach Alexander up first talking about Bobby McCain and his transition to the safety position a year ago and now three games into a second year at the spot. I think Bobby's transition to safety is actually going great. You know, one thing about that position and that responsibility that we put him in, a lot of the great things that Bobby does for us as a free safety sometimes isn't represented on the stat sheet. So in that respect, I think Bobby has done a great job in regards to what we ask him to do, and that's communicating, first and foremost, making sure that all 10 guys in front of him have the understanding of what the responsibilities are, what the adjustments are, what the call is, um, you know, being a leader and, and playing with the passion uh, that he needs to play that also will generate the energy that our, that his teammates need to play with as well. Um, in being able to do that, in the role that he's he's in, I thought he's done a great job. I think he's done a great job so far. And those opportunities to make splash plays within our defense are going to are going to present itself where he's going to be able to make those plays when the opportunities come. Hey, coach, I'm curious if a player like Jerome Baker, at the linebacker spot, and all the athletic ability that he has, and his ability to kind of get depth on those drops into the hook zone, does that like having a linebacker like that? Does that change the way you do things, or does it help your group and coverage at all? I think it helps us in coverage with with guys like you know Bake, 
who has the athleticism to get the depth um, and zone coverage and have the speed to really break down um, on checkdowns and be able to make open field tackles as well as be able to do some things athletically when we want to play some man-to-man and matching up on certain guys. Um, I think that that's a weapon for us defensively, being able to utilize his skill set. And how about what he sees from Dolphins rookie safety Brandon Jones when he plugs on the tape? I'm just looking at the things on tape. You know, there's a lot of things that he can continue to do better in his development, whether it be in man coverage from a technical standpoint and being able to win with leverage or also from a zone perspective, really being able to understand the threats and having vision and break on the quarterback. So, you know, regardless of what he did in his past, as far as Texas is concerned, um, I think that he's a he's a developing player that has the tools and he has a great skill set that we're continuing to build on on a day to day. And how about defending DK Metcalf, a player that Coach Alexander coached against a couple of years ago when he was at Cal? For one, this isn't anything that surprises me. I actually uh, saw DK at Ole Miss when I was at Cal my first year there. So him doing what he's doing now is not a surprise to me at all. Um, you know, but definitely for us defensively, we have to be aware of that. Not only DK and his vertical presence out there on the field, um, you know, sometimes it's not just as easy as saying X go cover him. You know, there's a lot of things that go beyond that because I think Tyler Lockett also needs attention as far as the coverage is concerned. So, you know, they have weapons. You know, they have guys like that. They obviously have a great guy who's engineering the offense with with uh, Russell Wilson. So we have to be smart with what we're doing uh, coverage-wise. And, you know, I think first and foremost for us to be effective in the pass game, we have to stop the run. You know, we have to at least uh, not allow the run game to get going that also kind of generates their play-action package. Um, and then when it is time to for, for Russell Wilson to drop back and throw the ball, we got to do a good job in coverage, kind of mixing in some of the calls. And how about that other stud receiver the Seahawks have on the other side in Tyler Lockett? I think you have to have awareness of where he is. You know, a guy like that, they utilize his skill set and his vertical speed and really put him really everywhere. You know, he can line up on the outside and do some things on the inside. and He can really stretch a defense. So as a secondary, we have to be aware of where he is. You know, and if that's, a, if that's coverage, where we have the opportunity to get hands on them in the slot or obviously on the outside. And we have to make sure that we definitely have depth to the defense and, and zone coverage and um, even in some single high stuff. So, um, and, and he, he has the ability to do some things, not just vertically, you know, they, they get him things on crossing routes and catch and run situations. And those are the opportunities where we are playing zones and we're dropping off and staying back for the intermediate stuff. Um, we have to have vision to break on the quarterback and be able to, uh, swarm them and be able to leverage them and be able to get them down on the ground and, and not allow those checkdowns to become rewards for the offense where they go for 12 to 15 yards when they were really designed to get tackled at five or six. So um, for us, we just got to be aware of all those threats, you know, whether it be Tyler Lockett, who does a good job for him, DK, and obviously the, 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 the backfield of the, of the backs. I mean, we know we, we know and accept the challenge that we have coming in on Sunday and through preparation, we hope we're ready. Let's go ahead and finish up here with a coach, a question rather for Coach GA about Noah Igbenogany and a bounce back game for him on Thursday in Jacksonville. Well, we knew that that's no surprise. You know, I think Noah's a competitor. We we knew that as a as as his evaluation throughout the draft process. We know that this is a guy who, again, is a developing player, but he's a, he's a competitor. You know, and you know you're going to have days. There's not a guy in the league in his career that hasn't had a rough day at the office. You know, so. Um, looking at it, evaluating it, figuring out what we can do to continue to get better throughout the week and accepting the challenge of, uh, of a new opponent and also looking at the things that we can continue to do to get better throughout the week, day to day, um, allowed him to have what is, quote unquote, I guess, a bounce back day. But, 
But regardless of what the result of Jacksonville was for him individually, we got to use this week to go back to work. This is a new opponent, a new challenge, uh, a new thing that's going to be presented to him in his rookie year. So, um, you know, we, and we knew that it's no surprise just for the mentality of the kid that we knew we were getting. The makeup, the mentality you hear Coach talk about it there with Noah Igbenogany, a theme this offseason for your Miami Dolphins and acquiring players, and the theme it's going to be going forward under Brian Flores and Chris Greer. They have clearly established the types of players, the competitive makeup of these guys, the mental toughness, the smart football IQ these guys all display. Going to be the theme of this team going forward. And so far, given the performance of rookies like Austin Jackson and Solomon Kinley on the offensive line, Noah Ibanagani showing the mental fortitude last week on a short week to come back and allow just one reception for two yards in the entire game. You have to love the direction they're going with that regard with these young players and some of the bite these guys are showing so far early on in their rookie season, second season, and this very young Miami Dolphins football team. All right. Let's go ahead and call that a day here on the podcast. That's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Audible and the Fish Tank podcast. They had Todd Wade on today on this Tuesday here, September the 29th on the Fish Tank podcast. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.